You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or if you listen on our Tiger Communications app or after the fact on our Sports Call podcast. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm joined by Tom Peavy and Cam Barry here this afternoon and a lot to talk about uh, today on the show. We'll have Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire as we do each and every Wednesday. That'll be at 5.15. He'll start previewing the NFL playoffs for us as well as a look at maybe some of the Auburn guys in the NBA. Uh, We will talk about last night's victory in Oxford as Auburn was victorious over Ole Miss. Big win for the Tigers, proving they can indeed get it done in the SEC on the road. And uh, we'll also talk some other college basketball items. There'll be another slate of games tonight, of course, but then also what transpired in Lexington, Kentucky last night uh, as Kentucky was really struggling, to say the least. We'll kind of give an overall picture of the SEC. We'll continue to update on the latest half in the transfer portal as Auburn continu- continues to be busy there. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about here today on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Again, my name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Cam Berry and Tom PV with me here today. We'll start with Cam today first. Cam, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, doing well. Um, enjoyed watching Auburn basketball last night, and yes, they did prove that they can win on the road. It was against a a battle miss team, but even still, the SEC is, is tough as a whole uh, in a top-to-bottom um in this conference uh so you got to prove you can get some wins even against the relatively easy ones so this was a good win and i mean old miss did they, they played pretty well um toward especially towards the beginning of the game i mean at half auburn was down one so you you got to take into account that you know they were playing hard um yeah and and then watched uh, kentucky play as well and and um, a loss to South Carolina, very surprising, and we'll talk more about that um, and what that could mean for the future and how that's going to sh- help, how that's going to shake up the entirety of the SEC, if we're being honest, because um, they were expected to finish towards the top, and, and it, it's not really looking too good right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great and um, ready for some ready for some football this weekend, honestly. like I'm ready for the weekend to get here so we can watch this wild card, uh, wild card weekend. Yep, uh, full slate of NFL uh, playoff games this weekend. I believe there will be six games between Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night. So uh, without college football anymore after that national championship game the other night, uh, you're on to pro football, and you've got uh, just about, I don't know, what, 12, 14-something games left in the season of there, and then uh, no more football at all unless you're talking about the XFL or something. No more football really at all until the end of August. Tom Peavy also on the program today. Tom, good to see you again. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, good win for Auburn last night. Uh, 
and just completely confused as what's going on with Kentucky. Uh, that uh, John Calipari's seat is very hot right now, and uh, the Kentucky folks were not; they will not stand for much more of that from their beloved basketball team losing to a team like South Carolina. It's it's one thing it's one thing to lose a game, but to lose to one of the worst teams in the conference. On your own home court, yeah, and apparently, just, yeah. yeah, apparently, this South Carolina team statistically is supposed to be one of the worst in a, in the decade. Like it's supposed, right. they're supposed to be like bad, bad. So uh, a very bad loss. But uh, and uh, and definitely looking forward to the weekend with all the the wild card stuff, and uh, it should be some good games there. And you know, really, really excited about this Auburn basketball team. I, and I'll, I'll admit, I'll, I'll eat some crow today. I, I thought that Ole Miss was going to beat Auburn. My main thing was because Auburn has just not given me a whole lot of uh, good vibes when they're playing on the road. And so I thought that this was going to be one of those close ones like it always is with Auburn and Ole Miss when they're playing, uh, especially in Oxford. Some of Auburn's best teams have struggled with Ole Miss and Oxford for, for whatever reason it is. And I and I thought Ole Miss would pull that one out, but I'm happy to be wrong on that one. And uh, Auburn looked very good. There were some stretches of not such great play, but uh, every time it felt like Ole Miss had a little bit of momentum and would get something put together, it looked like they might try to cut into Auburn's lead. Auburn had the answer and would go on a run of their own. And uh, you know, ultimately, right there towards the end, the last minute or so, it was not in question. And and that's really what you hope for. You don't want a nail biter down in the last minute it was nice to have one on the road that was well in hand and taken care of and you could just kind of coast on through it so good good job to auburn basketball and very happy that i was wrong on my prediction there yeah and and let's talk a little bit about that game last night to lead off and again we will talk about the situation at kentucky when we kind of expand out a little bit later in the show uh to the rest of the of the conference and college basketball world but uh we did talk about the, sh- uh, the game, obviously, a lot on the show yesterday. And, again, it was a shorter show yesterday because of Borgard High School basketball that came on afterwards. So if you're checking out the podcast and wonder why it's a little bit shorter, that would be why. Uh, but we were able to talk to Justin Ferguson a little bit about the struggles that Kermit Davis had given to Bruce Pearl, really dating back to his time at Tennessee and before that. Uh, and, and so Bruce Pearl has always well-respected Kermit Davis, although his Ole Miss teams have not been – up to the caliber of Auburn's teams in the last several years. And uh, if you ask me, I think Kermit Davis is probably going to be in his last season at Ole Miss this year. But Kermit is still well-respected for his X's and O's and the actual uh, on-the-court management type of stuff, uh, drawing up plays and schemes and that sort of thing. And to score, I, I, I think winning is one thing. But for this Auburn team to go on the road, against anybody again they kind of did this against washington we referenced that game with ferg yesterday but to score 82 points on the road and to score 48 in the second half they were trailing by one remember uh tommy you were owning up to being wrong on this one and we've all been wrong this year with this basketball team already Uh, i said that they would get off to a slow start and that they would probably be trailing at half, and they'd pull out a close one. Well, they even exceeded that expectation. Technically, I wasn't all the way right either because right. I thought they'd win a 68-63 to 63 type of game that they had to grind out in the end after trailing yeah. early. They did trail early, and it was low-ish scoring in the first half, on pace for about a 70-68 to 68 type game, kind of an average game. But they explode for 48 points in the second half. That's got to be incredibly encouraging. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
extremely encouraging. Uh, just great to watch. And um, it seems like this team, I, I we're kind of figuring out this core three of Alan Flanagan, uh, Wendell Green, and Jani Broom. This, that's the three that's really going to take this team to the next level. They, uh, this team will go as far as they can take uh, take take Auburn. Um, when had a great game, not exactly efficient from the field, five of 15, missed 10 shots, but he was absolutely dialed in from the free throw line, hit a perfect 11 for 11 yeah. um, from the free throw line, and that's just extremely crucial. Um, he he just seemed like he, you know, he's always been an, an extremely efficient free throw shooter, good at, at around an 80 to 85% free throw shooter, um, but to hit all 11, I mean, that that's great. And, I mean, he went to the line more than everybody um and he was drawing contact and um so that was very good to see i mean as a team auburn shot well from the free throw line 80 81 percent so that's improving game by game and that's really really good to see um especially on the on the road um you know some people were kind of skeptical about how the call how the game was being called um but you know at the end of the day auburn was able to prevail over that and, and continue to push um, and again, Alan Flanagan, another great game, 15 points, uh, two assists, five rebounds. Uh, he, he's, he's just building upon games that, that he's doing, he's playing well. So he's just continuing moving forward. Um, hate to see what happened with Chris Moore. Uh, they said that his shoulder was separated. Yeah, dislocated so his shoulder. not, not a, not a great injury. Hopefully just kind of, maybe we'll just miss him for a game, maybe two, um, and, you know, thankfully we're playing Mississippi State at home, so maybe we won't need him too, too much. A great game from Jalen Williams. Um, again, an efficient game from him. And, um, yeah, this and Janai, again, I, I can't speak enough. He's he's getting more comfortable, it seems. He's, he's just, you know, he started off slow, and we were kind of worried, and we were like, man, what's up with Janai? Is he going to be as good as advertised? And now we're seeing his his ability to score in the paint one-on-one is, is showing through. Uh, I think he just kind of had to get used to how the SEC was called and played. Um, now he's starting to I, – I tweeted, uh, I think, like last week or maybe two weeks ago, I tweeted that – he just needs to go up stronger. He needs to fight, push through that contact, and you know he's a, he's a ta- he's a good enough finisher where you know most of his shots will go go down around the rim, and now he's starting to do that, and he's starting to get and ones and and really gain more and more confidence. And now you're seeing it it show up. He had three for four free throws. That was kind of a struggle for him early on, and and so yeah, it's just good to see. Um, and you want to improve upon it against Mississippi State on Saturday. Yeah, uh, Janai Broom has has become a a very much a factor for this team, and key and asset is, is now showing uh that, that he can be a problem for teams that oh, they yeah. face. Uh, it, but here's the other thing, and his his emergence, he has become a double double machine. Another double double last night with 19 points and 11 rebounds. How many games are four are, straight? Is that four straight double doubles for him? Um, but here's the big stat because with Janai Broom doing what he's able to do on the inside, Auburn is not having to take as many threes, and yeah. that's one thing that we have been screaming about for now the last two years. It's like stop shooting so many threes, y'all can't hit three pointers. Stop shooting them. Last night they last night they only attempted fourteen. That's, yeah, they only hit four of the fourteen. So obviously the threes are still not dropping, but you only attempted fourteen. You didn't attempt twenty five or thirty, which you know. We're having games like that, and like, why in the world are we attempting that many threes? That, that's crazy. Yes, but now that you have a true presence that can score on the inside, and from and from you know mid range, 
that's Jani Broom, and he has helped change that. He's change given that game. he's given that force on the inside to where Auburn is not relying so much on threes. Uh, because I mean, and if you look at the stats again, Auburn only attempted fourteen. Uh, Miss uh, Ole Miss attempted twenty-five. They only made nine of twenty-five, which is actually pretty good for oh, them because yeah. they were a terrible shooting team. They shot the ball well last night, but uh, it's it's nice to see Auburn uh, be able to have a game where the thirty of sixty-one from the field, and, and it's mostly twos, and then of course you know eighteen. You go to the line twenty-two times. That means that you're trying to get the ball in. You're 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 working the inside. You're working inside the paint. And you're forcing those fouls, and you're getting a you know a guy like Wendell Green can get to the line to go eleven for eleven. You're not getting that if you're shooting threes. So that Janai Broom and his emergence has really helped that that part of the game out to where they can score more on the inside instead of relying uh, so much on that outside shot that they're just not good at. One kind of more, uh, but beneath the the headlines, um, I don't know if it's a st- statistic or what you want to call it. Uh, is something I noticed about last night's game. And now, granted, you could say that Chris Moore's injury had a big role in this. But I, I kept track of something um, along the lines of when you start to f- figure out who your most important players are, right? And everyone is seeing that Janai Broom has now had five or six in a row of being very good. This is a couple in a row for Wendell Green Jr., who's projected to be one of the best players anyway. And now Alan Flanagan's put three solid games uh, together in a row. So, four players last night for Auburn played at least 30 minutes. And it was those three plus Jalen Williams who played 31. And I just checked back on their last five or so competitive games. I checked on the Arkansas game, the Georgia game, Florida game, Washington, USC, and I even went back to Holiday Hoops giving with Memphis. And in none of those games did more than two players play 30 minutes. And usually it was one, three of those five, it was just one player, and that player would be at 30 minutes on the dot. Mm -hmm. And yet in this game, again, four players played at least 30 minutes, and then in the case of Alan Flanagan, he played 34 minutes Mm -hmm. off the bench, and then 32 from Wendell Green, 31 Jalen Williams, 30 Broom. My point is, and now granted, you could say this was still a part of the Chris Moore injury, but there does seem to be and at least an awareness from Bruce Pearl of a separation in it in those four players with the other players. Because I also looked at those games at who it was, and it was usually either Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, right. Alan Flanagan, or Wendell Green Jr. So there is this separation now of those four from it seems like the rest of the players. Uh, you had a bunch of guys play between three and ten minutes. Chris Moore counts that obviously, but then Leor Berman, Trey Donaldson, Yoan Treor, and Dylan Cardwell were all between three to ten minutes, and then you had two guys at 20, Zepp Jasper, Katie Johnson. And so it looks like that's how they're starting to tear this thing off. You've got Broom, Williams, Green, and Flanagan in this kind of A tier of minutes now, and then Chris Moore when healthy, obviously, Zepp Jasper and Katie Johnson follow that, and then that's seven players there. And then the rest of the guys are just fighting for sprinkled uh, in. Yeah, just, just sporadic minutes there. And so I think that's an important part of this because I always look at rotations for, for college basketball teams, and I get a little more particular than I do in the NBA. In the NBA, you need role players. Mm-hmm. You need your stars to be stars. And, and all the good teams usually have stars. Right In college – there are some teams that are very five-star oriented that maybe only play six or seven. 
And then there's some teams that, that will play two full units of guys. They'll play 10, maybe even more than, than that. In the case of Bruce Pearl teams, typically, usually they start the season playing 11 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I personally like about eight to nine because I feel that if you're only playing six, it only one or yeah. two things go wrong for you. Like Foul you, trouble, injury, you name it. Exhaustion. Just just not playing well. Yeah, you, uh, that can only last so long. Th- the margin of error is very small there. That's something that Duke has done for a long time that has kind of irritated me. North Carolina is kind of doing it now. Uh, and some of these big teams that have really, really high-talented players maybe only play about six. However, I don't love the model of playing 11 or so because I feel like it's so hard to get players in rhythm yep. when they're only playing five or six minutes or seven minutes in a game. And I like that eight to nine because if you have eight, you obviously have a starting group, then you have a backup ball handler, a backup wing, and a backup big. And if you want a ninth, ninth player, maybe you have a guy that can be a wing or a big. So that you always have at least two ball handlers. You always have at least two bigs available. You always have a couple wings or a couple shooters available. And so what I'm saying to you is they are still playing 11, and that's not my preference. But there's a breakaway seven or so here yeah. with the acknowledgement that Trey Donaldson is still the backup point guard as maybe an eighth, and Dylan Cardwell still factors in as another big man as nine. You can make the case that Leor Berman's minutes, I mean, he's just now gotten a few minutes late. Those minutes are not safe for him. No. And Yoan Treor's minutes are not safe for him. And so now we got to see this Chris Moore injury. But all, I say all that to say is there is now a clear hierarchy in the minutes, which I feel you do, even if you play a bunch of players, you still need at some point. And Auburn is starting to find that hierarchy. And that's good news because that means some players are setting themselves apart finally rather than just no one standing out. And like I said, I think we'll all agree those four, uh, you know, Jalen Williams still played a solid night. And he's had a a really good passing game too. Uh, He's factored in the assist totals uh, recently a lot here. But those four guys are, are really starting to factor in big time for Auburn basketball, starting to log a lot of minutes for the team. We need to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we'll go back or we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. We'll also have birthdays and sports coming up in a little bit. This is the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this pleasant afternoon. Tomorrow's weather will be less pleasant, though. So, again, stay weather aware tomorrow. And uh, don't get caught off guard because today has been a comfortable 70-degree January day. Usually that's not a good thing. Usually that means oh. the, that means a cold front's coming. And when warm air and cold air mix it's not as good uh, i'll tell you that so say weather where tomorrow we had a show last week that had about five or six interruptions from the national weather service we don't expect that many last, tomorrow last tuesday yeah uh but uh yeah so anyway 
Uh, just wanted to throw that out there. 334-887-34 locally. Toll free one 888 9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. I uh, got three three or four calls lined up right now, so let's get going here with Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins us. Daryl, how are you doing? Fine. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well, sir. Have you ever seen the good, the bad, and the ugly? Uh, I, I think I have. It's been a long yeah. time, though. Oh, come on. Clint Eastwood? <laughs> you oh. haven't seen that? Like I said, I've seen it. It's just been a long time. Well, anyway, this... What I have to say follows along those lines. Uh, the good is the Tiger Spirit's alive and well. Yeah. Uh, the bad is you guys are wrong about forecasting for last night's show, uh, basketball game. Yeah, I, 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 I missed on that one. That's my bad. And you know what the ugly is? What's that? I was listening to your sister station what is it 93.6 or something like that 93.9 93.9 you know what the last thing i heard from the broadcast was did y'all listen to it on radio uh we were not okay imagine this this is andy Burcham with brad law tigers up by 10 points or the score and we'll be back after this station break you know what happened after the station break uh it did not come back did not come back. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is so and so. This is a political talk show. I was like, okay, maybe the engineer will pick it up. So I waited two minutes, turned it back on. Still nothing. Went and did some, washed some dishes. I don't know what I did. Tried to listen to it again. I was like, well, at least I'll listen to the last two minutes in the post game show. No show. So I listened to South Park. I don't know if you ever heard of South Park. Comedy Central. Yeah, yeah, love South Park. Well, I do too, but I'd rather listen to a basketball game. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, just some uh, technical issues of last night, Daryl, and uh, unfortunately that is rare, but it does happen it does from time happen, to time. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that we will get that corrected, and uh, we'll be all good for the full broadcast. No, you're good. I'm just picking on whoever the engineer. I know it happens. Uh, I just kept expecting, like, well, surely somebody will figure this out. And I at least listen to the post-game show. But And uh, the worst part is I had to go to sleep, and I didn't get to hear the final score of the post-game. I had to go to the library and figure it out for myself, you know. And I guess that's punishment for me, living in a technology-deprived uh, world. So. No, it, yeah. It, fortunately, it, uh, it it ended up about where you heard it. You heard it was a ten point game going to break, and it ended up a nine point game. No, oh, okay. Well, well, at least at least I, uh, I I'm not criticizing your uh, colleagues on the other side of the station. It might have been an engineer from your side. I don't know, but uh, just uh, let them know we like to listen to the whole game. So, yeah, absolutely understandable. Okie dokie. Bye. Thank you. That is uh, Daryl from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. All right. Technical difficulties. Sometimes you, they, yeah. it happens. You can't avoid them. Uh, it, Technology is really smart yeah. until it's dumb. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, we will have that uh, fixed, hopefully, this this weekend. All right. 334-887-341 locally. Toll free. one 888 tiger Next up on our Auburn Bank phone line. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. 
Yeah, I was watching that game uh, last night, and Auburn really started to, like, slow down. But in the second half of that game, they started to pick back up. And I think that uh, that Bruce Pearl, I think he's going to really do an amazing job with these guys and uh, trying to trying to see what where we're going to stand uh, this this weekend. I mean, yeah, this week coming in uh, when we play against Mississippi State because I think this is a um, – I, I think for Auburn versus Mississippi State, I think this is a uh, throwback game that's going to be played at uh, Neville Arena uh, next week. Well, Auburn and Mississippi State do play every year. It's not always at Neville Arena. Sometimes they just play once in a year and it's in Starkville, and sometimes they play twice. But certainly Auburn and Mississippi State have been – Playing for a while, and uh, Auburn on their home floor has been really awesome, as we as we know. Yeah, because I think um, with this game that's being like a classic game on uh, Thursday, um, what changes will they do for the Thursday night game between Auburn and Mississippi State with this game being the throwback game as well? Uh, I'm not aware of any changes uh, they'll have the game on saturday and uh yeah i'm not i'm not sure about the the throwback aspect of it yeah because i mean when when you actually put in um uh, you know like for professional games i've seen like in the nba or in the nfl or in major league baseball or in nascar just to name a few sports uh they always do like throwback uh like you know throwback um uh, events and stuff and they have like you know classic games before the actual game you know you know actually tips off or anything like that and they'll just show like for auburn versus mississippi state they'll show like you know highlights from both teams you know years ago when when auburn actually played in the barn like next right next door to uh neville arena you know they'll show like uh classic um, you know, classic games that's been played, you know, when Sunny when Sunny uh Day was there and uh, you know, some classic uh players that used to play for the Auburn uh Tigers like uh Charles Barkley and uh you know, many others that many other Auburn legends that played against uh Mississippi State as well. Yeah, James, I you know, again, I do know it's the throwback game, um, but I, I don't know what they have planned for that in terms of uh, you know any sort of uh, video tribute or, or anything like that. I, I do know certain organizations, like you said, and professional leagues, they, they show, do some throwback jerseys and stuff, but I, I do not know what Auburn has planned for, for a throwback game. Yeah, because I think with this game on Saturday, I think this one will be uh, the same score that we had last night, so I think it'll be like 79, almost 80 points to uh, I'll just say like 23 at the most I'm looking at that as well I do like both teams to score more than 23 points. Last night's game was 82 to 73. So if uh, you want to go with last night's score then Auburn would win 82 to 73. Yeah so that that would be a really good uh, score as well. And then with the uh, NFL uh, wild card divisional round uh, games are um, playing this week and on Monday, I'm I'm like really sure that I'm I'm looking at like some of the teams out of the AFC trying to make it to that Super Bowl um, slate in Glendale, Arizona. So I'm actually limiting my teams down to like Tampa. No, that's in the NFC. Tampa is in the NFC division. 
They are. Right? Yeah, you're right. They're in the NFC. Okay, so Kansas City, they got a bye week, so I don't see them playing in the Super Bowl because they've already they've already played in the Super Bowl. So I, I'll just throw Kansas City out. Um, Miami, I don't know if Tua Tungvaluwa might be coming back. He will I've not. Hearing, we uh, we heard today, James. He will not. He is still in concussion protocol. He will not play Sunday. Yeah, so I think that would slow down the the Miami Dolphins' uh, winning chances of of going to the Super Bowl. And I'll probably say out of the NFC, I'll probably see the Dallas Cowboys actually play a really good team. But the thing is, what like for me as a Cowboys fan, what um, what. You know, what will I be looking at at Dak Prescott? Will I look at the Dak Prescott from week one or will I look at the Dak Prescott from the preseason of the Dallas Cowboys? So those two uh, windows, I'm actually looking to see if Dak Prescott would have a, a huge uh, advantage to actually win, to, to win the divisional round playoffs and go to the Super Bowl as well. And then uh, for the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona, the matchup that I would like to see would be a rematch of Dallas and San Francisco 49ers. Well, and, and James, that is a classic matchup, but it's also a classic matchup just in the NFC as, as those two teams, again, uh, can't play uh, each other uh, in the Super Bowl since they're both in the NFC. But definitely Dallas and San Francisco matchup at some point in the NFC playoffs is possible, and I would just say on Dak Prescott, Certainly there's a very good version of, of Dak Prescott out there, but he did struggle last week against Washington, so uh, he, they, he will need to play better than that. And, and I'll say this, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have a little something to say about what happens in that NFC championship. Yes, as well, because I think they're trying to actually uh, make a Dallas and uh, uh, Philadelphia Super Bowl matchup, which I won't I mean, sources out there, they did say that the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles played, but in the Super Bowl, I don't know if that happened or not. Uh, I, I don't think it did happen, and I don't think it will happen because, again, James, they are they're, they're actually – the Eagles are in your division. They're in the NFC East, and uh, so that means they can't play each other in the Super Bowl. They can play in the playoffs, but it would have to happen before the Super Bowl. Yes, and then for the Dallas Cowboys, I'll probably say, um, I'll probably say like the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills would actually play in the Super Bowl as well because they're in the AFC and Dallas is in the NFC. So I'll probably see those two uh, great teams actually play in the Super Bowl and to actually win the MVP. I'll probably give it to Ezekiel Elliott, and you know seeing. Him with his um, with his background that he played at Ohio State, I think he he really looked like a Hall of Famer as well. He reminds me of uh, a young Deion Sanders as well. Interesting comparison there, but uh, yeah, uh, Zeke Elliott has obviously had a, a really good Cowboys career. He was great at Ohio State in college too, helping them win a a national championship and. Uh, you're right. The the Bills and Cowboys is a matchup that can happen uh, in the Super Bowl. Obviously, both those teams uh, have a lot of work to do, uh, but uh, something that can can actually happen. Yes, because I I think that the Buffalo Bills uh, 
with uh, with Hamilton coming out um, out of you know out of the hospital and everything, but I think this one will be like a friendly um, matchup as well, just to see Josh Allen and uh, Dak Prescott, and then after the game, uh, Dak Prescott and Josh Allen would actually switch uh, jerseys as well. Yeah, maybe they would, although with the Super Bowl, I'm not sure that uh, if that matchup were to happen. Pretty sure everyone would want to keep their Super Bowl jerseys. That's not something everyone gets to go to. And so a uh, pretty special uniform that they'd all be wearing. And uh, certainly for DeMar Hamlin uh, getting released from the hospital in Buffalo today, just continued great news for him. And, and I know uh, he's uh, he's been very supportive of his, of his teammates with Buffalo. Yes, as well. And then um, I'm actually – uh, I just made it into the uh, fantasy football uh, challenge uh, over the week, and I'm actually getting ready for uh, the divisional round playoff. So I got my team ready to go, and I'm hoping I'll win this first round uh, this coming up weekend as well. Well, we uh, certainly hope you do too, then, James. And uh, do you have any other uh, final thoughts for us? Um, I don't have any final thoughts as well, but. Um, I would like to have like some Auburn uh, women's basketball trivia tomorrow. Auburn women's basketball trivia tomorrow. All right, we will uh, we will make that happen for you. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take another commercial break. More sports call coming up after this timeout. attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show my name is my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm trevon reed former auburn tiger football player national champion you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I proudly host the show. I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here on this Wednesday. We were commenting after the show because we ended up having pretty much a, a right-on-the-dot two-hour show yesterday. And, of course, if, if you've not listened to this show for very long, a couple of years ago and, and all the years leading up to a couple of years ago, it was a two-hour show. It was not a three-hour show. It was a four-to-six show. I remember those and days. That was one of the things that uh, that JJ implemented the first of I think 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just about two years now uh, of doing this three-hour format, and it, it lets us get more calls off. It uh, certainly in the summer it causes for more creativity with some of our segments, and we will start to bring those back here as we get to the spring, but. Uh, it also gives us a lot of leeway to be able to talk to guests and and take all of your great phone calls. And 
All of our great phone callers do call on the Sports Call phone line presented by Auburn Bank. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com. For more information, your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. And again, the number to call us today on our Auburn Bank phone line is 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. But for now, let's, uh, let's do something we do each and every day. Let's do birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports today here on January the 11th. We'll start out with a NFL birthday. Corey Davis turns 28, current wide receiver for the New York Jets. Selected fifth overall in the 2017 draft by the Tennessee Titans out of Western Michigan. At Western Michigan, Davis was the 2000 or was a 2016 first team All-American. Was the MAC Offensive Player of the Year. Was a three-time first team All-MAC selection. Was freshman of the year in the MAC in 2013. Holds the NCAA Division One FBS record for most career receiving yards, 5,278 receiving yards over Corey Davis's career. He was really good at Western Michigan. Not turned out to be great in the NFL, but uh, certainly fun to watch at Western Michigan. Yeah, he was really, really good. I mean, I thought he was pretty good at Tennessee, and I think a lot of people expected that he was going to end up being a wide receiver one, and then A.J. Brown happened. Right. Um, just saying, though, when you're selected fifth yeah, overall. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're supposed to be yeah. Calvin Johnson-esque no, sure. when you have that kind of body for side. For sure. And, um, but, you know, still a, a talented, good, uh, a solid, I guess, wide receiver two in, with the Jets behind um, Garrett Wilson. So, yeah. Or maybe three, I guess, because they do have Elijah Moore. So. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's a part of a, a talented wide receiver core. So Corey Davis turns 28 today. Bruce Irvin turns 35, current outside linebacker with the Seattle Seahawks. Selected 15th overall in the 2012 draft by the Seahawks out of West Virginia. Has also played for the Oakland Raiders, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears before returning to the Seahawks this year. He was Super Bowl 48 champion with the Seahawks, was the NFL forced fumbles co-leader in 2016, and was on the 2012 Pro Football Riners Association all Rookie team, Bruce Irvin turns 35. Dontrell Willis turns 40, former MLB pitcher who played for the Florida Marlins at the time, then the Detroit Tigers, Arizona Diamondbacks, and Cincinnati Reds. Two-time All-Star, 2003 World Series champion, was the NL Rookie of the Year in 2003 and the NL Wins Leader in 2005. Dontrell Willis, of course, had that humongous leg kick from the left side and uh, kind of because of how humongous it was, had control issues which uh, got worse and worse as his career transpired, but was the wins leader I said in 2005. was really fun to watch. Dontrell Willis turns 40 today. And another lefty with a big leg kick, actually, Alex Wood turns 31. Current MLB pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. Also played for the Atlanta Braves, Los Angeles Dodgers, Cincinnati Reds. It was a 2017 All-Star and 2020 World Series champion with the Dodgers. Alex Wood has had a very solid career. He turns 31 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Those are today's birthdays in sports. Just a few minutes left here in hour number one. We'll have a lot more phone calls coming up in hour number two, including retired Ward M. Steve will join us. Uh, in hour number two, again at five fifteen, we'll talk Joe. We'll talk with Joe Bartle about 
Uh, the NFL, uh, I am still uh, candidly here trying to figure out if I mention the Packers game to him, uh. if he will – uh, not like me, and then hang up the phone. Up immediately. Uh, but uh, I'm going to ask him about Aaron Rodgers, and if that's the last time we've seen him. We've got four minutes Same. left here in the hour. Just a little quick sidebar for what's to come with Joe. Was that the last time we see Aaron Rodgers? Ooh. I, just, I mean, are you just saying in a Packers jersey, or are you just saying in general? Uh, let's start in general. In general, in general I don't think no. he's done yet. I, I no, I don't think he's done. Um, I think I think he's gonna keep playing. Uh, now, whether that's in a Packers jersey or somewhere else, we'll see. Um, that's that's more to be determined. But uh, I, I think A. Rod wants to keep playing. That was interesting though, where he said he wanted to hold on to that that jersey from yeah. Jameson Williams. That was definitely uh, something worth noting. Um, but you, you never know with a rod. He's, he's a bit of a, especially the last few years, he's been a bit of a wild card, um, uh, more than I think a lot of people expected. Um, so it, it will just, we'll just have to see, but I, I think he'll, uh, I think he'll keep playing for sure. I, I agree. I, I think he, I think he keeps playing, but I think he's done in green Bay. Okay. Uh, I, I think he's, it has felt like he's been done in green Bay for a few years, which they maybe that so which, much though. Yeah, uh, I just feel like there's just things about it that he's just not liking, um, whether it be front office or he's um, always had a gripe with something. In right, Tampa. right, always. Right. It's it, kind of been amazing if you think about with how publicly perturbed he has been for probably six or seven years now. It's kind of amazing yeah. he's still been a Packer all this time. Yeah, and very true. If I'm Rodgers. I, I I don't know, man. I think I'd go somewhere else for a year or two. Maybe the Brady thing has kind of screwed right. me up headwise to where I'm not appreciating the, the one organization thing as much. Eh, that's, but, I feel like that's a little overrated sometimes. But Well, but I think there's value in it, too, because it is so rare. And I think that True. sticking it through an organization, no matter what, is still very commendable and says a lot about uh, – a, a loyalty dynamic, both bet- both with both parties, by the way, because um, if you want to look at bottom lines, the Packers have been to one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. We always right. talk about it from the perspective of Aaron Rodgers not being able to get there more, but let's look at it from the Packers' perspective. They're a great organization that is one of the, I don't know, three or four most historic organizations in the NFL, and it sounds kind of blasphemous, but they have a 39 or now about to be 40-year-old quarterback. How much longer do they want to go on with that? And they even have drafted Jordan Love to be, I don't know, the next guy. They kind of forced Brett Favre out a little earlier than yeah. he was ready to go. It kind of worked out fine because they got there yeah, in Rodgers, right, dude. Right. And so the Packers have literally done this before. And I'm not – to tr- boldly predict the next quarterback will be as successful as the previous quarterback in this case is would be blasphemous because I do not think Jordan Love will be Aaron Rodgers all right. at all. But from the organization standpoint, if your bottom line is to win a Super Bowl or to go to a Super Bowl, they've fallen short for like 12 straight right. years now. Yeah. 
and they've changed everything else about the team. And I, again, I'm not trying to disrespect one of the game's greats and certainly a top three quarterback of this this generation. But sometimes but, it's time for a change. But sometimes, right? And yeah. so that's what I'm saying is if Rodgers has been perturbed for years. And Green Bay's just kind of done whatever to patch up the the relationship. Right. Are they about tired of it by now? Uh, well, and it, he's not doing himself any favors with with coaching in the front office with just his kind of general body language. And you can see his body language just it it, it just reads of just pure frustration. The body language, or if you just read his lips, uh, yeah. you know, that's not for the. Uh, the the rated R uh, type of <laughs> words coming out of his mouth. If you read them, he just looks frustrated. His body language shows frustration. His mouth shows the frustration. And uh, you know, I yeah, I, th- I think he's I think he's done. Yeah. But I, he may also be done with the NFL. Nah, I just don't see it. Well, the you only know? the only reason I see he's going to be a writer. The only reason I say maybe done with it is because he is such just an odd character, he is. and uh, especially if they start trying to do like vaccine stuff again, because he's like a like hardcore anti-vaxer, and he's just a, he's an odd dude. I don't know. That's why I asked the question, and we're going to have more conversations about it throughout the off season. I felt it was a fun little five minute yeah. segue. We could have talked about it for thirty okay, minutes. Yeah, I could have kept going. But I mean, it is certainly something to watch and. I think I'm going to ask Joe about it and bite the bullet. I'm also going to ask him about the other old guy because there's another old guy that is in the playoffs that could be done any game now too. So changing him in air. We'll see. Uh, Out of time for hour number one. More sports call coming up. We're Tyron Ward AMC. will join us in hour number two. Stay tuned. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Number two, getting started here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV, Cam Berry with you here this afternoon fun and full first hour in the books a lot more to come here on auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show i've already recapped a little auburn basketball talked a couple calls on the auburn make phone line did birthdays and still ahead joe bartle 515 and more of your phone calls on the auburn make phone line 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine let's go back to our auburn bank phone line to open up hour number two Ward Dam Steve. 
Retired Ward AM Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and thanks for asking. And, uh, you know, it's always a good day for me when I can look forward to the hour between 3 and 6 uh, for you guys. So thanks for making my day. Well, now, we love to hear uh, that. Mr. Tom Peavy. Yes. Uh, I want to commend you yesterday on letting us not only know that uh, you were going on, uh, I guess, a date night uh, with your girlfriend, Michelle. Yeah. But it was her birthday. But you had the foresight or, or the, the, the good judgment to not announce publicly her uh, age. So you're going to be committed <laughs> to doing that. So that was a safe thing to do. All right. Well, so she, think, she thanks me for that as well. All right. So <laughs> let's get to it, guys, because I know my time is short here. Uh, so uh, about last night's game. Was I a pleasant surprise? Yes. Uh, I had to drink no Baylocks. I had to drink no Pepto-Bismol. So that was a, a, a very welcome uh, surprise there. Hmm. I did not expect us to score 82 points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they, they played well. They played well on the road. And a great second-half burst, especially at the beginning of the second half, uh, really sparked the rest of the game. Yeah. And there was a moment, I think like four and a half minutes uh, left in the first half that I thought was just hilarious, uh, and it was done by Dylan Cardwell uh, when he got a pass and he went in and dunked it, and then he, as he was leaving after he did uh, the, the dunk, he points his finger over to the uh, bench area, I was to Bruce Pearl, who, did you guys see that, and he was smiling? Yeah, he was pointing at Bruce. Every time he dunked the ball, uh, both times he dunked the ball, he pointed at Bruce. Okay. Uh, what's the story behind that? No clue. That's just no his celebration. Okay. Hi. Well, I haven't seen this about Dylan Cardwell from college. You may know they keep up these stats. They said that Dylan Cardwell is now shooting 80% for the year. Uh, I didn't know it was that good. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't put up a bunch of shots every game, you know. So, uh, I mean, two for three last night, uh, you know, both of them dunks. Uh, one was a putback and what was a feed in from Wendell. So um, just efficient playing and uh not really, you know, we would say Dylan is more in there for defensive purposes um, or to be just kind of a, a big that um, just replaces Janai and he's still a big presence. Um, but, yeah, he, he just doesn't shoot the ball a whole bunch. All right. So sticking with basketball real quickly, guys, uh, I'm at the SEC uh, Sports uh, website. I'm looking at the team leaders in basketball so far. And I thought, well, this is interesting information. Uh, the team leaders for points per game is who? Missouri. Yeah. 87.1. Field goal percentage, again, Missouri at 50.2%. Yeah. Now, this is a bit of a surprise here, considering the abysmal, uh, I guess, so far uh, showing by Kentucky. They are, are leading the SEC in three-point uh, field goal percentage, 37.9. Yeah, that one is surprising. Yeah, for sure. Rebounds per game. Who do you think the team leader is in the SEC? I would have. Uh, I, you know what? I actually I know who it is. It is. It's got to be Alabama. It's got to. You're right. Yeah. You're they, right. they led. Uh, they led the country at one point, about six or seven games into the season. Who leads the uh, SEC in blocks per game? Maybe still Auburn. Is that? Yeah, I was going to say that's Auburn. probably still yeah, Auburn. Six point three. Although last night we had less blocks than Ole Miss. Yeah, we only Auburn only had one block, and it was Janai. That was amazing. Uh, steals per game. I thought it might be us, but it's Missouri. Yep, yeah. Missouri. Missouri's really good defensively. Yeah, I did not know that they were that uh, good in some of these categories. Yeah, they're... But Mr. Janiah Broom, 
uh, thank goodness we, we have him because he's really improving uh, in a lot of areas. So he is number uh, he's number two in the SEC when it comes to rebounds per game at 8.9. The only person who outdoes him is Oscar who? Oscar Sheway. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. sounds right. 13.1. Uh, and then uh, when it comes to Mr. Jai Broom, he also is number three in blocks per game at 2.7. So uh, he definitely uh, is coming along. And uh, Mr. Wendell Green is in the top five. He's number four when it comes to assists per game. Those are the, uh, the three Auburn players uh, that you guys all the two of them plays that we have talked about that are you know in the top five. Uh, Dylan Carter, I'm sorry, I forgot him. He's in the top five when it comes to uh, blocks per game, along with you know, Jani Broom being number three. He's number five. So, uh, guys, you see the uh, going forward, the future lineup being who? The top uh, starters. Uh, yeah, for, uh, for Auburn, what we were talking earlier today about uh, four guys really starting to separate themselves in minutes, and that is Wendell Green Jr., Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams, and Janai Broom. Now, that does not mean they will start Flanagan because Flanagan's been coming off the bench these past few games and has been playing quite well, and maybe they don't want to disrupt that rhythm and they want some scoring off the bench. But I think you're seeing a clear separation of minutes with those four, and then we'll see what this Chris Moore injury means, but I think Zepp Jasper, Chris Moore, and Katie Johnson, uh, assuming health to all, all end up around the 15 to 20 minute mark as those kind of second tier minute guys. Yeah, I'm hoping what we saw or have seen so far that the old the old uh, pre injury uh, Al Flanagan is back on uh, on his uh, old uh, athletic abilities and skills. Yeah, these these last three games certainly demonstrate that, and uh, his athleticism looks good. He's bouncy. Uh, he's he shot the three a little better. The the threes he has missed. He's gotten. Uh, he's gotten kind of got too excited on them and too much yeah. lift, and has shot yeah. them long, which means he's uh, he's really energized. So uh, I'm definitely liking what I'm seeing from Flanagan. And KD, I think he made one three point uh, a shot last night, didn't he? Uh, he maybe I don't think so. I, he, I think he was layup. I think he was like two of five from the floor. I'm going to go back okay. and verify that uh, he was two of five from the floor, but he was zero of one from three. Yeah. Okay, and high free throws. Good guy. I couldn't believe how 81% completion. We only missed four shots. That's what happens when Wendell Green Jr. shoots the majority of them. Right. 11 of 11, right? Yes, sir. Right. Now, speaking of that, guys, I need you to help uh, help me with this. I didn't watch it, of course, last night, but I, saw the, I read about it. The Miami Heat made all of their 40 free throw attempts to yep. make that an NBA record. So what I'm asking you is this. Is this an NBA record because of the number of free throw uh, shots that they made and actually uh, attempted made, or is it because they made 100% of the free throws? It's, it's, the, it's the most free throws made without a miss. So, so, so a both. team has made more than 40 before, and a team has obviously attempted more than 40 before, but it's the most free throws made and that, attempted yeah, without a miss. 100%. Without a miss. Okay. Yep. So that is quite a record, then. Yes, for I, mean, I think yeah. Jimmy Butler had twenty or twenty-three of them, something like that. So, uh, just one guy making twenty. We talking about Wendell Green Jr. hitting eleven, but 
Uh, Butler hitting 20 plus and again like the team just I mean you could at any one moment you could have someone like Shaq or something step up there just can kind of completely ruin any everything but Miami well, did not yeah Ron that's what I was going to say because I've watched uh, you know the NBA games in the past and you know it's not in fact one time back in my betting days I had uh, a team that uh, should have lost a game but their uh, top field uh uh, the, 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 the top shooter's free throw line missed three field goals in a row, three three free throws in a row. Thing. Hmm. Yeah. So for this for this to happen to me is uh, uh, remarkable to, to to make all all hundred percent of them. Yeah, now, absolutely. This is remarkable. I want to get your uh, thoughts on this. I'm going from one sport to another, uh, professional wise. Please explain to me Carlos Carrera's decision to not take. Three hundred twelve million dollars offered him by the Mets, I believe, that's what I read, and instead take a two hundred million dollar offer right. to Minnesota. So now, I can understand somebody maybe taking a one or two million dollar less. It's not his choice. Yeah, it's not his choice. Yeah. So it's Steve. Not? So Steve, he he originally signed with the or not signed, but agreed with uh, the Giants, and they did a physical on him, and they did not like the way his knee and ankle looked, and so. The Mets swooped in and then gave him that $300 million contract offer, which he accepted. And then they went to the physical, and they did not like what they saw uh, in the physical. And so the the two sides were still trying to work through it and come to a different agreement based off the physical that the team didn't like. And then the Twins, which is the team he played for last year, who are more comfortable with his medicals because they've seen him, they've been treating him all year long, were then comfortable to say, we're not going to give you the 10-year $300 million, but we'll give you a 6 for 200 That's still a huge contract. We'll, we'll offer this to you, and we're already good with your medicals. And so he then got tired of dealing with the Mets and how they didn't accept his physical, and that's why he signed with the Twins. Okay, so now I get the rest of the story. I said, well, what is this about? How would someone – you know, decline or turn down, but he actually didn't turn down at all of them. Right. No, there's no telling what the Mets were then. It never came out what the Mets were wanting to adjust that contract to. If they were wanting to take years off or take a lot of money off, we don't really know, but we just know that they were not willing to go forward with the contract they'd originally agreed upon. All right. Well, speaking with uh, the pros guys, uh, this is maybe more for you, Ryan, uh, since obviously you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan and uh, obviously a Tom Brady fan right now. Uh, Movie-wise, there's a movie coming out about your man. Uh, well, so it's yeah, it's called Eighty for Brady, 80 for Brady. and and twenty-eighth. Right, and I've I don't know if I have any interest in seeing that movie. To be honest with you. So. Oh, you want to see? Now, now, come on, you can't be uh, anti-ageism or you know, we got <laughs> no, no, it's not it. that. I just, <laughs> I mean, I kind of have seen the the Brady story play out here, and I, I don't really i mean i don't really care about that side of it i mean i i don't know i just i'm, I'm not i'm not that interested there's a lot more that i'm interested in steve that you and i would both be interested in but but that one is not one i understand but i just read the the blurb on it. apparently uh some really good comedians are in lily tomlin sally field and uh academy award winner rena marino right and uh, jane fonda apparently on some kind of a quest to meet uh tom brady Right, the Super Bowl uh, 2017, and I think it's, so I it is based it off of a true story. I think, or, oh, or is it really? I, so it has some element to it. I think I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I heard the story when it got the, this movie got announced a couple of years ago, and it 
I feel it was based off of something, but again, it, it, I, it did not pique my interest. Put it this way. It did not pique my interest enough to even go and, and, and research the back, a backstory to it. All right. Well, apparently Brady he actually meets with uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the actresses in the movie, and uh, Jane Fonda said that uh, he was actually kind and humble. And it was hard to believe, she said, considering how brilliant he is and what he does, but he said he was real sweet and polite. All right. Moving on, guys. This is one that, to me, just... Uh, is inexplainable, indefensible, because I live in this area, but uh, <clears throat> you may have already read it. There's a wide receiver who committed to Auburn, I mean, who committed to Alabama uh, this past summer, uh, 2024 commitment guy, Marcus Davis. I bring him up. His name is Perry Thompson because he's from Foley, because apparently, according to this uh, 247 marker from Christian Clemente today, he was not even looked at by the previous coaching staff. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this guy is the number two player in the state according to 47 Sports Rankings and the number three wide receiver. Uh, do you guys know any background to why he would not have even been, you know, offered anything? I, 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 Steve, honestly, that goes back to questions that we've all raised on what was that last staff doing or not doing in recruiting because we've seen what Hugh Freeze can do. And it, it just really makes you wonder what was going on over there. Uh, that that's that's unacceptable to to have a guy in your own state that is that good, and and if you don't even make an attempt to go after him, that, that you just that's not good and that's unacceptable. I didn't even know about the guy until I read it, but apparently he's very interested uh, in visiting Auburn. He's coming here this Saturday, but when I saw what his rankings were, I said, "Good gosh!" I mean, I'm not a, a coach, never have. But I, I would never have passed him up. So um, I just thought I'd run, run that by you guys. All right. Now, about uh, the, uh, the teams in the SEC in basketball, guys, is this a down year? Because I'm looking at these records, and I can't believe some of these, uh, some of these games and their outcomes. Florida beats LSU at home. Right. And yet, and yet Florida lost at home. Well, who did they lose to last week? Was it Arkansas? Uh, who Florida lost to last week, or yeah, at home they lost at home. No, Florida lost to Texas A&M at home last Texas week. Texas A&M, okay, all right. And then South Carolina of all teams, you want to believe this one? Somebody, right. uh, if you're a South Carolina fan, maybe you bet on the tape. But South Carolina was a twenty-point underdog. Yeah, not surprising. Twenty-point underdog to Kentucky. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think the league is down. I think you always have upsets. That will always happen in every single conference. And I think that there was a year or two there where the SEC maybe reached heights it had not really reached before. Because if you think about the SEC for the last uh, 20 years or so, there's usually one or two elite teams. There's one or two good teams. And then there's a couple teams barely making the tournaments of five, six you know, team league. And for a couple years there, there were multiple national contenders. However, I mean, again, remember outside of Kentucky, no one's really won the whole thing here uh, in, in a while. And Auburn went to a Final Four and that sort of thing. But uh, right now, when you see Alabama ranked in the top five, you see Tennessee ranked fifth, you still see Auburn and Missouri and Arkansas ranked. I mean, that's five ranked teams. Uh, I do not think the league is down. I think it's very much normal. Well, speaking of that, uh, one of the stats they had on the, sh- on the uh, uh, game last night was that uh, Auburn 
is close to making or tying uh, the school's record in basketball home home game wins uh, streak. We're at 29, so this coming Saturday, if we win it, and hopefully we should, it'll be 30, and 31 is uh, the record, right? Uh, I, I, I thought I saw this, but I thought it pertained to consecutive weeks ranked in what? the AP poll. Oh, the AP poll? Okay. I Maybe thought that's, that's what I saw. That's Maybe someone else saw it, My yeah. Bad. Yeah. Okay. They obviously uh, have a really long home st- home winning streak too. Twenty six. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's remarkable. That we're uh, twenty nine. Um, I guess consecutive weeks in the, in right. the top twenty five. Yeah. Yep. And so thirty one's the record there, and it was like that two thousand time period. Yep. Right. And about Jani Broom, uh, he's done some remarkable. Uh, those he's had four games now of what of uh, double doubles. The last person to do that was who? Simeon Bowers. Yep. But what I make a distinction here is that Simeon Bowers didn't do it against SEC teams. He did it against non-SEC conference opponents. Sure. So United doing this against SEC teams to me is more impressive, or is it not? I agree, and also just the team is better, too. And any time you're on a bad team, one or two guys can get – I don't want to say empty stats, but misleading stats. They're just needed to do more. And when you have a team that is a quality team, you've got more good players around you. You have to earn those minutes. You have other guys capable of sharing workloads. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Jani Broom, uh, not, not taking anything away from Simeon Bowers, but I would take Jani Broom over Simeon Bowers. Okay, and finally, uh, about the playoffs, guys. Uh, TCU obviously was a poor showing. I'm uh, maybe I, I could be uh, doing some irrational thing here, but I'm convinced right now that having a 12-team playoff will eliminate um, teams like TCU getting to the finals because just like in the NCAA basketball tournament, you'll get upsets. Right. They can't survive the entire uh, tournament round that's in the gauntlet that that requires. Um, can they? No. So TCU might make it maybe in the first or second round of the 12-team playoffs, but they won't make it like they did this time, to the 14 uh, playoffs. Um, I don't see that uh, likely happening. They're going to be eliminated. Or am I thinking wrongly here? Yeah, you know, here's the thing. This game was as lopsided as we've ever seen. It it is the literal far furthest outcome that we have ever seen in any bowl game. Okay, and that's that would seem to imply that TCU is like the 80th best team in the country. Like they're like Akron or something, 100th best team in the country. That that result made it seem like TCU wouldn't have even made a bowl game, let alone the biggest bowl game. And so we've got to be careful with making that into some sort of, you know, that's the norm or that's going to happen all the time or it's been happening. No, that's not been happening all the time because it's literally never happened that bad before. So I do think what and what you're saying is you're going to have to really earn it to make it all the way to the end of the line. You're going to win two or three games and it's not going to be one fluky situation. So I get that. That does not mean there will not be another blowout in a title game. But yeah, any other, any other format, any format. It's I, I, you could do this format for fifty more years and not see a fifty-eight point game like that. That that will this game this year will always be an aberration because again we have never seen anything that lopsided. No, I agree. I guess what I'm saying is there's less likely of a aberration or anomaly of this kind of a sure. I mean, yeah, you'll if you have to go through a twelve-team playoff. 
Sure. I, I mean, I, I can buy that. It would become less likely. But again, as we know in sports, we can never just say, oh, it will never happen. That sort of thing. Okay. All right. So I got guys. Hey, thank you very much for taking uh, some of your time to give it to me. Uh, and that's always appreciated. So uh, I have a safe, relaxing afternoon. And uh, Mr. Tom, I hope that uh, Michelle uh, was treated uh, um, and done the right way uh, <laughs> in your date last night. Yeah, yeah, we had we had a great dinner and great night last night. So yeah, it was a okay, good, good, good birthday. Stuff. Okay, all right. With that said, guys, have again a safe afternoon and evening. Uh, I look forward to listening to the podcast for the rest of the show and uh, talk again uh, tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle guys. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate that phone call. As always, that's retired Ward MC joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take another commercial break. More stuff on Auburn, more stuff on college basketball, the National Football League, all ahead here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan, Tom, and Cam with you here this afternoon. Tom enjoying the vibes right now. Enjoying the vibes and uh, anxiously watching the. We have a television here that uh, so I did a I did a TV interview earlier today with uh, WTVM Channel Nine out of Columbus, and uh, it's I think it's getting ready to come on here in a little bit. So I've done them before, but anytime you like see yourself on tv anytime you see yourself on tv getting interviewed I, I, it's like one of those i have to critique and make sure that nah. i didn't look like good posture and and good posture good eye contact not with the camera but eye contact with uh the, with the with the interviewer reporter, yeah, yeah so you just want to do like a live audio review of the <laughs> visual media that uh we'll be be watching here momentarily uh, she, she sent me a message saying that she was going to be live from in front of the fire department i was like oh okay well that's cool so and of course we've all been to the fire department you have so you, you, will, you will get to see southwest fire department here on tv a little bit she she was doing a story on uh on just the uh on, on volunteer fire departments kind of just in general and what it takes to do it and uh there's a lot of low numbers in volunteer ranks right now and so uh any any press is good press or good press is is needed to try to get those numbers boosted up not just with southwest sure. but uh volunteer departments all over the country sure so and that's kind of what she was angling for there i gotcha and yeah we do encourage participation there it's very important uh and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you on tv hopefully in a, in a few minutes i see you right now yeah. uh, you look great today by the way uh but uh, <laughs> i'm a little i'm a little more dressed down uh-huh. from when i did the well, interview sure. I, I had to uh-huh. i had to go uniform there uh so yeah uh anyway let's uh let's continue on here with some some college basketball talk uh as uh, we've been recapping some of the auburn and uh old miss stuff from last night if uh, you missed any of it the sports call podcast is brought to you by coca-cola if you ever miss sports call live if you want to hear something again make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand 
wherever you get your podcast and join ice cold coca-cola to go along with the hottest sports talk coca-cola taste the feeling uh, auburn beating ole miss last night was not and <laughs> shockingly was not the only road team to win in the southeastern conference last night now florida did beat lsu and that was great for florida and bad for lsu but what i'm really referring to here dun, is dun, dun. south carolina going to lexington kentucky in the sport of basketball in the year 2023 and defeating Kentucky 71-68 to in Rupp Arena. Uh, I don't know if you caught the end of that game. South Carolina led by about 11 or so Brr. at the final media timeout. Kentucky almost came back. Tried every which way to blow the game. I mean, they they <laughs> turned, they turned just dropped one straight out of bounds. They gave up like three offensive rebounds on the last possession. Uh, there's the hit for the Southwest Fire Department right now on the TV. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, just South Carolina in every way tried to blow that game. But fortunately, Cam, uh, Kentucky, or I say fortunately, it doesn't really matter. But uh, fortunately for South Carolina, none of, none of those mistakes ended up uh, biting them in the end. And wow, Kentucky is in trouble. Yeah, K- Kentucky's, uh, is, is, as I've been saying probably since last night, Kentucky's in the dirt. If we're being honest right now, I mean, one in three in conference. I don't think anybody would have ever predicted that. Um, I, I mean, Calipari's in trouble, right? I, I think we can really just admit that that he is he is in trouble. Um, this this team is just not good. Um, woo, there's Tom, um, <laughs> and they they're not they're just not looking good. I mean, just outside of the guard play. I mean, I know they do have some injuries. They they. Did uh, Jacob Toppin is injured, but I mean, even still, the team is just outside of Xavier Wheeler and Oscar Shibway. This team just doesn't have anything to give, and it, it's just a struggle to put up points. Uh, I mean, they don't necessarily shoot great from three, uh, and and as long as teams seem to figure out ways to key in on Oscar Shibway and and, um, and keep him out of the game, then. That I mean, that's about it. But I will say, however, South Carolina shot amazingly. They shot, I mean, fifty-five percent from three, eleven for twenty from three. Yeah, I, you really can't shoot much. I mean, you could shoot much better, but in college basketball, you really don't shoot much better than that. Uh, Michi Johnson went six for ten from three, nine for sixteen from the floor, um, twenty-six points. A great game from him. Um, I, I mean, that's that's about. Really, that's all you can ask. And their guard play was was very very good, um, and uh, they're also their their five star um, Gigi Jackson um, also had a had a solid game six for ten from the floor, um, two for two from three. Six, ooh, excuse me, sixteen points. Uh, he he's going to be probably a one and done, uh, really talented uh, forward, uh, and from the state of South Carolina, wanted to stay in state. Um, but he was recruited by all the likes of of Kentucky, Duke, all all of the big names. So, oh, Gigi Jackson, yeah, no, yes. he was actually uh, committed to North Carolina. Oh, and really? then he wanted to reclassify, and uh, just did not really express that to Carolina, and then just decided to decommit, went to South Carolina, and decommitting in basketball is much rarer. For Agreed. those that don't know, than it is in, in I can, football. I can oh, jump yeah. back into the conversation now. <laughs> I, I'm done watching myself on TV up here. Were you better than Kentucky basketball? I, I, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, here, here's the thing for 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 just kind of sake of the people around here to understand 
what happened with that game. Imagine an Auburn team coached by Tony Barbie going to Lexington and winning. Pretty much. It, that's how bad South – Statistically, that's how bad South Carolina is. They're one of the worst teams right. in the entire country in just about every way. It really makes no sense when you're looking at this box score, right? This – this – really – Kentucky should have won this game. I mean, they really won in every... Shoulda, coulda, woulda. I, they, I mean, they really, outside of points, they won in every statistical category. Uh, South Carolina turned the ball over 15 times. Kentucky only turned the ball over six times, right? They usually turn over. You win the turnover margin, you usually win the game. Right. Uh, and, and that just was not the case. Um, just they, they, they shot 50% from the free throw line. They shot 50% from the floor. Um... And they shot 14 free throws. I mean, South Carolina only shot seven free throws. Uh, but that three-point differential is really what made the game. Yeah. You can tell. 11, like I said, for, for South Carolina, 11 for 20. And Kentucky was three for 10. That was that right there, that is the game. That three-point margin is the game. Um, because, I mean, Kentucky really was able to do fine in every other category. Uh, so it, it's interesting that they ended up losing this game. Uh, I think they just fell behind and weren't able, weren't ever able to really fight back into it. And South Carolina dropped 42 points on them in the first half. Um, and that, that's really, that was pretty much it for them after that. And they tried to fight back in. And, and like you said, Ryan, South Carolina really did try to give that game away. Um, but Kentucky wasn't able to, to capitalize and close and, and come back and complete the comeback. And uh, so here we are. They they are now one and three in conference play and, and lost at home. They lost their home losing streak uh, and to one of, if not the worst team in the SEC. Yeah, and some more context just so you understand. Uh, South Carolina is 8-8, eight and eight, but obviously we know once they go progress through conference mm-hmm. play, they're going to end up below 500. Here's some of their notable, notable games slash losses. Uh, they started the year with an arousing three-point victory over South Carolina State. <laughs> they did beat Clemson, which is something, but they then lost to Colorado State 85-53. to Yes, they lost by 32 to Colorado State. Mm. They lost to Davidson by 9. Lost to Furman by 19. Lost to George Washington, great president, not a great basketball school, by 24. <laughs> Sheesh. 24. Uh, they lost to UAB by 14, East Carolina by 8. And, of course, notably in conference play, they have losses to Vanderbilt, 84-79 overtime. And, oh, yeah, they played Tennessee this past weekend in Columbia. South Carolina scored 42. If you double it and add one, that was Tennessee, who had 85. Yep. So South Carolina definitely on track to be uh, a very poor team. And Kentucky loses to this team at home. And I would say there really is not a scenario where this is acceptable for Kentucky. But I, if you had told me if Kentucky had come off a win against Alabama, let's say they had walked into Tuscaloosa and won that game, and they would beaten LSU the game before that, and then they have number 5 Tennessee coming in this weekend, I would have said, man, they just didn't give a crap. And that sucks sometimes. But they didn't bring the energy uh, they weren't disciplined. They they tried to panic, come back late, fell short. Uh, big big whoops, but you know they have some quality wins. Be all right. They got smoked by Alabama Absolutely. and Tuscaloosa last weekend. Uh, they of course did beat LSU, but they they lost pretty handily to Missouri back in the month of December uh, in SEC play. So as Cam said, they're one and three. So now the bigger question here is is this it for John Calipari? 
at, uh, at Kentucky. And you go back these last few years, and we know the incredibly high standard that Kentucky basketball has. It's why they are very hated, because they are typically very, very good. In the last few years have been varying degrees of disappointment. Last year, they had a really good basketball team. Yeah, They were a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. They lost to St. Peter's. Okay, so that Good year, St. Peter's, everybody's <laughs> best friend. So they kind of lost out last year on having a successful season. It was not a successful season for them. They did not win a single tournament game. The year before, in 2020 and 2021, which was the year Auburn also was not any good. Kentucky was awful. They were nine and sixteen. Having a nine and sixteen record at Kentucky under any circumstances hard to fathom. The year before that was the year that COVID canceled the NCAA tournament. They were twenty five and six. They were thirteen three in the league, or excuse me, fifteen and three in the league. They won it in the regular season championship. They didn't get to play a postseason, so we don't know what that team would have done. The year before that, they did go to the Elite Eight. But the moral of the story is they have not won an NCAA tournament game since the 2018-19 season, which at Kentucky is a lifetime. And look, again, incredibly, as high as any program's expectations does Kentucky basketball hold with you. And so it's not that they would fire him because they've he's got some sort of lifetime renewing contract here where I don't even know what the buyout would be. I've not seen it reported. But it is going to be very hard for them to get off of Calipari. They need him to leave. And so I guess the real question is here for you guys, will he leave? Is this it for him in Kentucky? Will he leave? <laughs> I mean, if I'm him, I'm like, if you want me to leave – you're gonna have to fire me. I'm not gonna quit. I wouldn't. Right. I, if I if I were you're him, gonna, yeah, you're gonna pay me the money. Right. You're gonna pay me. If, if that's really the mindset, I mean, I I've, obviously I think we can all agree that he still wants to be competitive. I think he still wants to put out a quality basketball team, um, and he doesn't want to damage the reputation of this program because I mean, day to day, as the years go on, and if the teams continue to be bad, then. Um, you know that's just going to damage his reputation as well as Kentucky's, and I don't think either of them want that. Um, so I think that Kentucky would be in more in favor of deciding to let him go rather than he leaves. I think I think that would happen um, before him him quitting. Yeah, uh, you know he's because of that contract, he's kind of got Kentucky by the you know what. Yeah, yeah for and, real. And and. You know, if you're, it's just it's just so difficult because, you know, if you're the boosters at Kentucky, you're ready to. You, yeah, this is this is not acceptable in any no. shape or form, and especially the fact that they keep having good recruiting classes. It's not like he just suddenly has a bunch of scrub players out there. He still has some of the best players that you can get in recruiting, and you're not getting anything out of them. And and now this has become a continuous thing that you're not getting the full stuff out of these guys that you're bringing in so at some point somebody is going to uh somebody's just gonna have to pull the trigger on that and i you know i don't know i but i i'm i'm kind of like you if i'm calipari and i've got that contract it's like hey chilling yeah you're gonna you're gonna pay me my money and i'll go away gracefully and i'll go coach texas or somebody and i was about to ask the follow-up would be if you are texas or another B plus basketball program, not the A tier because 
Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, Kansas sure. are kind of all in their own little world. But Auburn, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in <laughs> just that next kidding. in just that kidding. next tier of jobs, really good jobs, like a Texas who has great resources, sure. really good at basketball, pretty good history. Now this might feel like a dumb question, but let me just make sure I hear the answers that I'm expecting to hear. Do you want Cal Perry? Uh, or do we have to think about it? I would, I, I would I would have to think about it but I but I would because still I would still go more yes because it, he it's still John Calipari he's going to bring in talent talent but is he going to win game is he going to get you championships right I think that's well, the question because it, it, it he brings is. in so I, I I saw a I saw I saw a tweet of all of these players all of these NBA top tier players that Calipari has coached, and he's only gotten one championship out of it. Yeah, well, one and, championship out of all of these teams of all right. of these these top players. That I mean, like Devin Booker. I mean, just like well, well let me say this. And I'm not though. saying the player makes the team, but it, well, it does. Sheesh. Well, well, but now this is one thing that I would do as part of the vetting process is I made a I may reach out to some of these guys in the NBA and and ask them. Why do you think this is? To put me inside a John Calipari program that you've been a part of and tell me why they're not having success. Is it because they're run, the, the players are, are running roughshod and they can't mold together because he's just letting them just kind of do, do whatever? whatever. Uh, are there internal problems going on? Is he just not good at the X's and O's part of basketball? Uh, find out in the vetting right. process why – are these guys not being successful when they're loading themselves with talent every year, but yet they say they can't seem to do it. So that that's where, and, and then I would take that to determine whether I wanted him or not. Let me, let me sift through some things here though, because I think the argument cam is bringing up with only one championship with all this talent is more so an argument to be made if we're discussing top coaches, the very top coaches in the sport. That's something that you can use against, you know, Bill Self and say, well, clearly Cal Perry, I wouldn't take him over Bill Self because right. of this, or I right. wouldn't take him over Coach K when he before he retired, Roy Williams, etc. But I think that still, there's that is not an argument to be made against the middle of the pack coaches because he still. He has a championship. He gets the talent. He he does get results that the middle tier coaches are not always capable of getting. And so, if I bring in a B coach or another or a C plus coach or whatever into this B program, I'm just going to get C plus B minus results. I'm going to get r- round of thirty twos and I'm going to get right. twenty two and ten and that sort of thing. But with Calipari to a, a B plus program like that, you would have the opportunity to get a talent. And so that might move that line from, okay, I'm going to be a B minus whatever to I'm now going to have a chance to have some some boom seasons because of my talent. I might underachieve some years compared to that talent, but if that great talent underachieves, is it still not better than average talent slightly overachieving? Yeah. I, the one thing I would say, and I would be cautious to talk about uh, Calipari winning titles necessarily because that's very difficult to do right. in college basketball. It's right. very, very hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for sure. You have, but if you're going to bring that talent in, you have to be competitive. Do you, something you, with it, right? You, if even if you don't win the title, you you at least got to be 
Elite Eight. Yeah, and, and, and Sweet then you Sixteen. Get, you know, yeah, I can, you, I can, you I, get in there. You're, you gotta be Sweet Sixteen. At least, though. at least be. I'll give you that. At least be one of yeah. the top sixteen teams yeah. in the country. I would even. I would even like to stretch that into eight because you'd yeah. rather be one of the better eight teams. That way, you're giving yourself a chance at a title. So that's the thing is, right. at least give your chance, At least give yourself a chance. He's had the talent, and they're not even really getting that chance. They're they're you know scuffling through the SEC schedule and and losing games they shouldn't, and they're just not that scary powerhouse in the SEC anymore. Right now, right. So let me ask you then. Okay, I'm gonna let's see. Again, we can't lose the whole context. This is recency here. Right. So this is his 14th year at Kentucky. 13 years he's finished. 12 of those had an NCAA tournament. How many guys do you? Th- how many times do you think he has been to the Elite Eight in his 13 years at Kentucky? 12 NCAA tournaments again because you couldn't have one. There's only 12 right, available right, NCAA right. tournaments. How many times has he well, gone? He's to got the Elite one. Eight? He's got one title, right? Right. How one many times? Time? So how many times? Yeah, get, yeah. How many guys do you? How many times do you think you he's made the Elite Eight? Six. I was going to say four overall. Seven. Seven. Seven out of 12 years. Okay. So my point is the last three or four years, very abnormal. Clearly trailed off. And that might be time to say that it's, quote, run its course. Right. And sometimes in sports, and this is more common in the pros, but think about it. Cal Perry runs the most pro-like program in college because all he gets are guys that want to go immediately to the pros. Right. And so sometimes in the pros, coaches run their course. Agreed. And the voice gets a little stale. And even though this roster turns over way more than it does in the pros, I just think it's getting stale at Kentucky. You can only get so many high-flying wow players and then achieve a baseline to success for it to then say, well, you still didn't win a title. What else can I do here with these top 10 players if I can't actually go and win the title? I can get to the Elite Eight. I can get to some Final Fours, but I can't actually win it. And so my whole point in this is I still think there's a world – where Cal Perry, he's age 63, so he's probably got 10 years left or so. Yeah. He, if he went somewhere else, he could bang out five really good years somewhere. Now, at Kentucky, with the weight of expectations starting to crumble, I don't think it's there. No. I don't. I don't think this can survive this way, the way it's headed. Yeah, I don't think it's fixable. But Cal Perry, again, is 778 and 245 in his career. It was not just Kentucky. He got Memphis, right, Memphis to a championship yes. game. He got UMass to a Final Four. He rose? So I think he is worth it for a school like Texas or some other school. However, two things can be true at the same time. I do think it's time for he and Kentucky to move on, or at least that's what I'm seeing. Unless this season turns around in an unthinkable way and they pull like a Harrison twin year where they were an eight or nine seed and went to the whole damn championship game. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think it's run its course here at Kentucky, and that's okay. I could go on for 10 minutes about examples in the NFL. Guys like Andy Reid ran its course, got rejuvenated, looked great the second time. But I just think what's going on at Kentucky is obviously very significant, and I do think this is the beginning of the end of Cal Perry at Kentucky. Fun second hour of the show. On tap for hour number three. We alluded to the NFL a little bit there. We'll talk to Joe Bartle at 5.15. Of course, the fantasy seasons are now over as the regular season is over. Time to look at the postseason. We'll look up 
some of the playoff matchups and have a fantasy basketball check with Joe Barl coming up at 515. We'll talk some NFL playoffs and more coming up next in hour number three. Stay tuned. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call here on this Wednesday now evening. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and of course the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me here this afternoon, this evening. I I, I mix it up because <laughs> 5 o'clock is starting to go into the evening, but four o'clock, 5 o'clock in the summer might be afternoon to you. Still very sunny at 5 o'clock in July. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm just... When I started the show, I said afternoon. Now I'm transitioning to evening is all I'm saying. I mix it up a little bit. But uh, good to be with you no matter if you feel it is evening or not already here on this Wednesday. Uh, We have done a lot so far in the show today, so let's recap it. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Tom, what all have we accomplished on the show today? Oh, man, we have talked a lot about Auburn's basketball win uh, yesterday over Ole Miss. And, uh, yeah, we we dove deep into that. Uh, We also dove pretty deep into the fact that South Carolina, one of the worst teams in the country, Went into Rupp Arena and knocked off the Kentucky Wildcats. So, uh, is it the end of Calipari? Is that starting to wane down there? Uh, so, we discussed that. Uh, we've discussed those two things. Uh, that's That's been mostly it. It's been basketball. And phone calls. And the yep. phone calls. Yeah, we've had some phone calls. And, uh, yeah, it's been a good show. Very basketball-heavy show, as it should be right now, as we are – Full on into basketball season. We are. And uh, we've been talking a lot about the portal throughout the week so far. Uh, Auburn's not done anything in a whole 24 hours. So there's not been anything new, <laughs> new to do. It's a, it's a, it's actually abnormal for what's been going on the last few weeks. Of course, I jest there. But uh, just compared to the first two years, obviously, Brian Harson's recruiting uh, to see the amount of players come in to Auburn. The last couple of weeks has been uh, very refreshing, yeah. and we'll have uh, more kind of summing up the week towards the end of the week. And again, 
all all spring long. We, we have that. not had one pop while we've been on the show, but the last two shows we've had, we've had several pop up commitments yep. while we've been here the on the air. That Florida we running back, about. and yep. yeah, I've had last week had Britain out of uh, Western Kentucky. I mean, just all all sorts of things, and so. Uh, Auburn has moved up to, I think, either third or fourth on the on three portal rankings. They had been third. I thought they slid down to fourth because someone else uh, signed for somebody else. But either way, they're in the top five uh, in the on three portal rankings. So they've done a, a wonderful job. Yeah. We're about to have Joe Bartle uh, on of RotoWire here in just a few minutes. Of course, we've talked to him all season long about fantasy football, which is ever the craze. He now does fantasy basketball, and he revealed to us last show that he is starting fantasy baseball now too. So might just talk to him year-round at this point. But uh, the purpose of the call here in a few minutes, we'll start to preview the NFL postseason as we've not talked much about that throughout the week just yet. And and we're about to start here uh, as we've got six matchups Throughout the weekend in the NFL, of course, we looked back and we alluded to the Aaron Rodgers segment of it, which was the final playoff spot in the NFC when the Packers did lose to the Lions, uh, allowing the Seahawks to be the last team in for the NFC and get that seventh seed. But uh, again, only the, I, obviously with the new format of the rules that has been the last couple of years where only the one seed gets a bye, there's now a seventh seed instead of six teams making it in each conference. Uh, that means on the opening weekend, you've got six games, you got 12 teams in action, so only the one seeds, the Eagles and the Chiefs, are idle this weekend. Everybody else has got to get to it. And uh, I know we discussed for – I don't even say discussed. For 30 seconds the other day, I don't remember the context. We were you guys, It was like before an hour, and you guys were like, here's our Super Bowl favorites. I'm like, well, we're going to have time to talk about this. Uh, I promise. So uh, before we get this postseason started, I mean, what do you guys see kind of overall the, being the gist of it here in the NFC and the AFC? Ooh, I mean um – Man, they, I mean, it's a lot, really. I, I, I think we can all agree that the AFC is the stronger conference. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I mean, either way, I think it's just going to be interesting. Like I, that Chargers Jaguars game is going to be so fun to watch. I think, I think that's going to be a good one. Uh, watching Justin Herbert and um, Trevor Lawrence go 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 against each other, I think that's going to be a great matchup. It could go either way. Um, the line has has the Chargers favored at minus two, but uh, I, I mean, I could just as well seeing the Jags win that game also. Uh, 49ers and and Seahawks, another good one, um, but I another interesting one. I won't say it'll be good. Uh, I, I do think I see the Niners um, uh, take, running away with that one. Seahawks are a really cool story, though. They they uh, they traded away Russell Wilson. Everybody thought they were going to be awful this year. Geno Smith comes in and, and uh, leads them to a playoff berth, and they still have the number, I think, like five overall pick that's from Denver. So um, they're, they're on their way up. The, the Seahawks definitely got something going for them. Dolphins-Bills, that, that one's going to be not as exciting because two is not playing, so you, you, you're you going to be up against the uh, the rookie, Skylar Thompson. Um, so I, I do expect the Bills to kind of run away with that one. Um, and then you got Giants-Vikings. That one came down to the very last second. Vikings won on a field goal. Um, so you never know how that one's going to go. A lot of people seem to think, I don't know if you agree with me, Ryan, um, that the the Vikings are kind of fluky. You know, they, they've only they've won – 
I think it was 12 or 11 of their games and by you know just one possession or like one point or something like that so uh really really close games that they've dealt with not extremely sustainable um especially for the playoffs um and the giants you know that they they're well coached they are they're very well coached brian dable i think he's my coach of the year honestly um if i if i had a vote i don't but um i would i would say brian dable definitely deserves it um and then you got Bengals Ravens and Lamar Jackson's not playing. So again, I expect the Bengals to kind of run away with that one. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll just uh, see. It'll be an interesting battle for a little bit, but I still think the Bengals will end up running away with it. And then you got the Cowboys and the Buccaneers last but not least. I don't even know what to say with this game because the Cowboys are not playing well. Um, not, I mean, not especially well, right? They lost to Washington, a game that, you feel like they should have dominated and, and won pretty easily. They struggled to score points. And I just, I, I have the worst feeling, honestly, Ryan, I do, that the Buccaneers, you're going to be at that game, right? I will. I have the worst feeling that uh, the, the Buccaneers are going to win that game. And yeah, it's just going to end the world. Be, I, the I will be upset. Game. I will be upset. You know, it's just, it's just. I think, you know, Brady's just going to probably turn it up to another level and the team is suddenly going to be amazing and hit all cylinders and you guys might make a little run. So it, I could just see it happening right now. It's what happens all almost all the time. Um, you guys might go all the way to the, you know, the NFC championship game and maybe lose there, but uh, I, I can see it happening. And if it does, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but maybe the Cowboys play fine and they'll they'll. Um, you know, win this game maybe easily, maybe not so easily, but they'll win off the back of their defense. Maybe their offense can find some rhythm again. Um, but we'll see. Well, Exciting. you know, I, I, my coach of the year vote was Todd Bowles because I think he just did an incredible <laughs> yeah. job with, with the t- talent that clearly, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, he got a lot out of this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think overall picture here, you know, there, and we're going to talk about with Joe. We'll have to take a break in just a second here. There are three games with lines within three points. Okay, so that's basically three almost pick em games. You change the side of that game, and it makes a big difference. And then there are three games that are at least an eight-and-a-half spread. So there's no, like, four, five, sixes, or sevens. They're either very close, a field goal either way, or they're more than a touchdown and a two-point conversion. And that is it's kind of funny. So me, I don't know why, because it's just kind of symmetrical that way. But then also I want to note that, you know, this 13-point line for the Bills, I don't know how many double-digit lines there there right. usually are. I would still take the Bills yeah. in that line now that, now that knowing Tua is going to be out. And, look, I definitely think if Lamar can come back and play close to 100%, then the Ravens have a shot. But to me, it's just opening up the scenario that the Bengals-Ravens – or, uh, excuse me, the Bengals-Bills and Chiefs are – one of those three, you know. I don't know which one. I think you make an argument for all three. Right. One of those three is going to win it. Sorry to the Chargers. Sorry to the the Dolphins and Jags. And Jags' great story winning the division. Uh, And the NFC – I think it is more of a two-team battle because I don't trust Dallas anymore. Uh, after seeing that Dak Prescott no. led the league in the uh, led the league in interceptions. By the way, even before Dallas struggled against Washington, 
They are the Cowboys. Yeah, right. Even if they win a playoff game, they do not win the next playoff game. And they've not been able to have that postseason success. So to pick them to go, I think they can beat Tampa Bay. I lean towards them beating Tampa Bay. But they're not going to beat the 49ers or the Eagles, in no. my opinion. Not when right. it matters. Now, I know they beat the Eagles Gardner Minshew. They gave up 30-something points to Gardner Minshew. And uh, I, I think that the Eagles... And the 49ers are the clear front runners yeah. uh, in the NFC. I just don't tr- trust Kirk and all of his cousins uh, in the uh, NFC playoffs. He's never good if it's not noon on Sunday. And again, Dallas, I think they're very talented. I think they have a puncher's chance that they were playing with great continuity right now, but I don't trust that. And then I think Tampa was talented enough, but they're coached like crap. And they have not played well for four quarters all season long. And if they're close in the fourth quarter, they're going to come get you. But they got to get to the fourth quarter first, and they've not done that very often this year. So uh, there's a lot of problems with everyone other than San Francisco and Philadelphia. And even those two teams have had their own problems. AFC certainly seems to be in the driver's seat, whoever can get out of that very tough AFC. We've got Joe Bartle coming up next. Stay tuned. More Sports Call coming up after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PB, Cam Berry with you here on the line from our studios on South College Street. And uh, fun show so far. We were just talking a little bit about the NFL playoffs. And you know what? That's a fun conversation to have, so let's keep doing it as we go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. And we're joined by Joe Bartle of RotoWire, who we've had throughout the football season, helping you with all of your fantasy needs. Obviously, the fantasy season now in the books. On to the playoffs in the NFL. Joe, appreciate the time as always. And again, sorry about what's transpired on the last game of the regular season. Uh, I don't know if you have any <laughs> expounding thoughts on the career of Aaron Rodgers or what you would like to say about that game, but if you would like to vent at this moment, you are free to do so. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, I think I got most of it out of the way on the car ride back because <laughs> yeah. 75,000 people trying to leave Lambeau at the same time thinking we were going to see a miracle, and uh never really happened in large part because the defense once again let them down. Um, I, I think that might be one of the uh, most embarrassing losses that I've seen. And, and kudos to the Lions, just all the credit in the world. But I, I was pretty confident they were not going to lay down. It sure seems that the Packers disagreed. Um, and Dan Campbell and, and Detroit came to play. I mean, they, they wanted to win that game more. And uh, the issue that we'd seen earlier this season with the Packers reared their ugly head in just about every fashion uh, in the most pivotal game. I mean, that... That was set up in every way for them to succeed and make the playoffs, and yet they still failed. I don't know what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I I don't know if he needs to have David Bakhtiari and Randall Cobb and Mercedes Lewis and Mason Crosby on the team to want to continue, because if he does, I don't know if we see Aaron Rodgers in the Packers uniform anymore. I, I think a lot of those positions need to be upgraded, and there's going to be cap casualties as well with that too. So it'll be a very tumultuous time. 
the frustrating part for me was just trying to figure out what's next. And unfortunately, even as somebody that follows football as close as I do, and I have a pretty good grapple with salary cap and everything else, I don't know what can make this Packers team better than uh, not not necessarily what we saw this year, but certainly to make them a title contender. I think that's kind of gone uh, and passed. And it goes back to my point last year that I wish they would have just traded him to uh, Russell Wilson, or sorry, to the Broncos instead of Russell Wilson. And they kind of doubled down on what now feels like a the the worst place to be in professional sports, which is mediocre and in the middle. Right. Yeah. Not able to get a a game changing draft pick, but also not able to compete for a championship. Certainly understand that. That's always a problem uh, for a lot of teams, obviously, and uh, certainly this year for the Packers. But I was going to ask you too, Joe, along those lines, because uh, as I can deduce that you were there. Uh, the broadcast was just very determined to make this out to be uh, very likely Rogers' last game, if not in Green Bay, maybe even in the entire. Uh, in his entire career, are, are you more along the lines that he will play again, just not necessarily with Green Bay, or do you think that is the last of Aaron Rodgers in the NFL? I, I, no, I truly think it can go any one of three directions, instead of staying with the Packers, going to a different team, or uh, just just outright retiring. It was a little bit fishy to see him walk off like that, like he did with Randall Cobb, and the jersey thing, he seemed to confirm that in the post-game report, too, that he didn't want to give that to Jameson Williams, and then didn't specify why. Um, but he also said in his post-game press conference that it takes both sides of this equation for Rodgers to come back. And uh, he wants the Packers to also say that they want him to come back. And if you're that franchise and what we've done, you know, we I get what the Packers have done uh, this this past year, I think you have to take a hard look into that and say, do we start this salary cap hell now or later? Uh, and, and does it really get turned around? And I don't know the answer um, to any of that. I, I really don't think he wants to end that way. I, like, it just doesn't – I would be surprised if uh, he takes a look at the end of the season, broken thumb or not, uh, rookie receivers, injured offensive line at times. If he took – he looks at the culmination of 2022 and 23 and says, yeah, that's fine with me to end on it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's where he goes, but he also said in the press conference, and I thought it was really pointed, that um, if he decides it's his time for a different voice in the locker room, then, then it's time for that to happen. And I thought about him, like, yeah, I guess, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably is the, the biggest leader on that team. And maybe there's a reason they have lost three consecutive, uh, essentially, play-in games or playoff games at home when everything was set up, set up for them. So it may, maybe there is a time for uh, the voice to change. I'm not sure. I'm not sure any of the answers. And, again, as somebody that thinks they know a lot like I do, it is frustrating to say, oh, I don't know if there's any clear path or direction or way that they can really get to the Super Bowl level that we thought they were this year. So let's look at this playoffs now uh, as we head into Super Wildcard Weekend with six matchups going on, and we transition from one older Hall of Fame quarterback possibly nearing the end to another. And I asked you, Joe, as both a way of picking this game and also talking about the future, is Monday night's game in Tampa the last we see of Tom Brady in the National Football League? Man, I think it should have been this past off season, uh, and it felt very spiteful, but he just didn't want to give – Chef to the scoop uh, and wanted to go out in his own terms. I, I mean, the team hasn't been very good, and yet they've been healthy for most of the year. So I, I don't quite understand that. I know they've gotten together the past two weeks, and, and maybe it's a coaching thing. Um, I would take Tom Brady in the playoffs over just about everybody else ever, all time. So it's not to say that he can't win this one. Uh, and frankly, I have seen Mike McCarthy as a coach in the playoffs over many years, and I, it's not a foregone conclusion that the Cowboys even win this one, much less their aspirations for a Super Bowl run themselves. 
it, it really kind of feels like two bad teams going against one another here. Uh, I would lean towards the Cowboys because I think they have more talent and have been more consistent. But it is Tom Brady, and anything can happen. I don't. I don't think this is his last season. I think the, the divorce is more or less finalized. There's no reason to uh, rush out of the NFL anymore. And uh, I, I would imagine he comes back to the NFL next year. I'm not certain it's the Buccaneers, and that will be interesting to see where he ends up choosing to go uh, if if he does come back for another season. And looking at all of these other wild card games uh, for Super Wild Card Weekend, um, what teams do you expect to? carry on business as usual to to really win their matchups and what teams do you think could potentially be on upset watch yeah bills bengals 49ers you can slap them in a teaser a parlay whatever else i think all three of those are guaranteed to win uh i know like i know it's pretty easy to say oh the dolphins have a third string quarterback and possibly same for the ravens too i think even if uh tua and, and lamar jackson have been healthy for their respective teams they still would have been cakewalks for the Bengals and Bills. I, those are really, really good teams right now. And, you know, I, I, I just don't think the Dolphins are all that good. Their defense certainly isn't. I know they beat the Bills kind of fluky in the regular season. That won't happen again this time. And the same goes for the Bengals. I think they're really hot right now. So um, I would go that direction. I know, and it's the same for the 49ers Seahawks, too, where, okay, the Seahawks are a division opponent, tough to be a team three straight times. The Seahawks just don't have a lot of teeth. I mean, that's just – and the 49ers are so good, even with Brock Purdy – uh, you would assume the rookie seventh-round pick will get exposed in the playoffs at some point. It won't be this one. I don't even think this is a playoff game. Just consider it Week 19. That's how bad the Seahawks are. So those three teams, I feel confident. Then you kind of have like a, I don't know, anything could happen with the Chargers-Jaguars. Uh, anything could happen with Cowboys-Buccaneers. It's Mike McCarthy versus Tom Brady. It really is the Giants and Vikings game that I think will be really interesting. The Vikings are favored by just three, despite I think having one of the best home field advantages in the entire playoffs right now. Uh you Saquon Barkley, a lot of their offense, at least the catalyst, but Daniel Jones kind of got going. I really could see that one going either way. The spread makes complete sense to me. And we know the Vikings aren't that good of a team, despite what the record indicates. I, I'm picking the Vikings to the home field advantage, and I think there are just too many ways uh, in which the Vikings' offense can put enough pressure on the defense of the Giants, whereas the vice versa cannot occur. But I wouldn't be surprised if a few explosive plays from Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley changes the outcome that's that's how bad this vikings team is because i don't think the giants are very good either and um looking at the ravens actually now that you've brought them up and you think that they'll be you know uh, the Bengals will have easy work with them um if lamar jackson plays even if he doesn't play um he he didn't sign a contract extension um kind of looking into the next offseason and last offseason he didn't sign that contract extension um do you think we've seen the last of lamar jackson in a ravens uniform uh what teams do you think might try to go and get lamar jackson do you think they'll uh that the ravens will franchise tag him what do you think happens with that situation Uh, yeah i think the ravens are one of the smartest organizations in the entire nfl so i i would have a hard time saying a former MVP, one of the most electric weapons in the NFL, a guy that is the catalyst of your offense, clearly, seen with Tyler Huntley and uh, Anthony Brown, but they haven't been nearly as effective. They're just going to let him go. I, it, you just don't do that with quarterbacks, even ones that maybe you, you think have an injury risk. That doesn't happen too often. So uh, I believe the Ravens will hold on to him and keep him. Uh, I, I believe they'll franchise him, though. And, and maybe that leads them to be disgruntled, or leaves Lamar to be disgruntled again, like we kind of are seeing now. I mean, like, I don't want to say that he is uh, faking it or anything like that, but most quarterbacks, especially of his caliber, are rushing back for a playoff game 
regardless of what their health is. And yet it feels like that has not been the case. Uh, and I would be surprised if he's kind of like, hey, you know, this is, this is what you guys get uh, when I'm not signed to a contract extension. So I, I think he will come back to the Ravens. He could be a franchise tag, and we do this whole thing again next year. Joe, this is going to be kind of a tough question because there are clear favorites here, and that's just why I like to play devil's advocate and just see if there's a, a team that is under the radar that, that people like that are not paying enough attention to. So everyone agrees in the AFC, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City. And in the NFC, I feel that most people would say either Philadelphia or San Francisco. Is there any team, either conference, that can break through those favorites? It, or if there is one team, even if, the, if you feel no strongly, it's going to be uh, the Super Bowl is going to be two of those five. What team, if you absolutely had to pick, do you think could make a magical run? So I want to be clear. I think there are legitimately only two good teams in the NFC. You mentioned the Eagles. You mentioned the 49ers. That's it. Anybody who advances between the the Vikings and Giants and Cowboys and Buccaneers doesn't make them a good team. It just means they beat a worse team. Like that, that when you put them all collectively, the majority of the top teams of the uh, boy fourteen that are in the playoffs this year will be in the AFC. It's like a heavy, sure. heavy favor on that side. I don't think the NFC is very good, and I think a lot of these teams are just pretenders. I, I said it earlier. I think the Giants could beat the Vikings because I don't think the Vikings are very good. And it's possible that the Giants could then beat, I don't know, uh, I guess it would be the Eagles, which I don't think that would occur. But like, there's, there's ways in which you could have the Giants face another one of these pretender teams and therefore make a run into the championship. I would, I would have a hard time believing it's not Eagles 49ers at the end of the NFC because I think those are two legitimately good squads against a whole bunch of not very much. So On the AFC side, though, I really am interested in the Chargers and Jaguars. That's the four versus five seed, so more than likely whoever wins that one will be facing the Chiefs. And we've seen the Chiefs be vulnerable at times. I know they've been very good, especially in the playoffs. And Mahomes has played his entire playoff career uh, in Arrowhead, which is still a crazy stat to think about. The Chargers coaching staff is difficult for me to say they can win a big game, but they certainly have the talent to be successful. And you think about their matchups the regular season. I mean, Derwin James was a hand tip away from stopping that Travis Kelsey touchdown and probably winning them that game uh, back in like 13 or week 12, whatever it was. The Chargers get up and ready to play when they're facing the Chiefs. I, they don't do it against the Broncos, and they don't do it against the Raiders. When it's the Chiefs, they're there. So I kind of like, uh, I, like if you were to say, I have to pick one of these teams that could surprise, it would be the Chargers. But they have to get past the Jaguars' offense, I think, is really good. And I know Trevor Lawrence is still young, but if there's one quarterback that at this age I think is most poised to be able to handle a situation like this, it's Lawrence, who, remember, sophomore in college, was in the biggest game of his career and was dominant in doing so against an Alabama defense that was previously uh, supposedly unbeatable. I love Trevor Lawrence. I think he's uh, perfectly situated for this, and Doug Peterson, too. But just by the Chargers are a little bit better. Sure. Uh, we're talking to Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire. And, uh, Joe, let's transition real quickly. One basketball question because we know fantasy basketball is now the go-to. And, and look, you mentioned to us uh, on the last uh, last week that fantasy baseball is going to be uh, a big thing this year too. So we'll actually we'll, we'll have to get some thoughts on that at some point down the road here. But with, with fantasy basketball, we saw uh, a couple of the game's true superstars both leave and return here in recent days. Steph Curry came back last night for Golden State. Kevin Durant went out with an MCL injury uh, the, the, the day before. How did those stars kind of leaving and returning kind of shift the paradigm and some, and some fantasy pickups? Yeah, Durant's going to be the bigger one of this equation. I think he was uh, 
fantasy, like the fantasy basketball player number three or two overall uh, behind Jokic, or uh, I think it was just Jokic, I guess, two, depending on like what categories and kind of how your league is format. Regardless, Durant was like right up there with the way he was playing. From the NBA perspective, I, I don't know how many games the Nets win with Kevin Durant out for, let's say, four weeks or whatever that might have been. Like Kyrie Irving is obviously very good uh, and hasn't had one of his Kyrie Irving moments yet. So they should win a decent amount of games. But this was a team that was near the top of the NBA standings and will now be without what I thought was one of the MVP frontrunners right now. So Kevin Durant's absence is massive. If you think about a guy like Carl Anthony Towns or Steph Curry, like you mentioned, too, we've, we've had top of top-tier players be out for an extended period of time, but not this level. I mean, this this is going to be a tough one. A guy like Royce O'Neal, who's already getting plenty of minutes, I think becomes more of a scorer and would be the bump if you were to say who's going to benefit from Kevin Durant's absence. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a tough one all the way around. But uh, with Steph Curry, I really am kind of interested to see how that helps the entire uh, Golden State Warriors. I mean, Andrew Wiggins has been out for, it feels like, a month and a half now, and we've had inconsistency with Jordan Poole as well, too, and we know what Clay Thompson and Draymond Green are at the stage of their careers too. Does does Steph Curry elevate every one of them to be more consistent fantasy reliable options? Typically, my answer is yes. But how much will it take to knock off the rust? That's my biggest question. So, if you're doing a week by week category type of thing, I I'm, I'm not as eager to slot in all of my Warrior players as I maybe was before. Uh, but we are trending in that positive direction where the biggest offensive catalyst and the guy that changes the geometry more than NBA and in the NBA total is now back and I think that should help a lot of people over at Golden State. He's Joe Bartle of Rotowire here joining us on this Wednesday edition of the show. Joe, what do you have in the works here as we uh, go through the NFL playoffs and continue through uh, the the NBA regular season over at Rotowire? Yeah, now my work gets to be a little bit lighter, which is great, but we still have plenty of postseason NFL action. So we do a series XM draft tonight. Uh, I think it's going to be at 8:15 p.m. Eastern on Channel 88, where we're discussing uh, our playoff rankings, picking people. we got a little bit of money on the line here for Rotoware, so that's fun. Uh, I have the SiriusXM show now, I think, for the next couple weeks, three hours long. That's going to be heavy dynasty coverage, talking to college guys, which I'm sure you guys are uh, excited to hear about as well, too. It's going to be a super deep running back draft in particular. Uh, we'll mix a little bit of college basketball as well, too, a little bit NBA. It's, it's more of a free-for-all over the last uh, month as it gets gearing towards February. And the transition shifts to fantasy baseball. So uh, a little bit slower work for me, but it's good. You know, we, we put in plenty of hours over the fantasy season and hopefully helped out plenty of people to win championships. Yeah, not that it's exactly time off, but well-deserved at least breather here uh, yeah. after the uh, yeah. full-swing 18-week NFL season. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and hopefully good playoff games. You know, I, I talk about how bad the NFC is. It doesn't mean I can't be entertained. Giants, Vikings, Cowboys, uh Buccaneers. Let's make those games fun, even if I think they're very bad teams overall. Yeah, at least at least if they're going to be ugly, be ugly close games, not yeah. ugly <laughs> blowouts like the Georgia TCU game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's Joe Bartle of Roto Wire joining us on the show today. Joe, as always, we appreciate the time, and we'll talk again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks for being on. That is Joe Bartle of Roto Wire here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We've got to take a break. We'll start to wrap up the show when we come back.
easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Finishing things up here on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Barry here today. Fun conversation there with Joe Bartle of RotoWire. We've always uh, been very appreciative, Joe, talking to us throughout every Wednesday of the football season and beyond. I was going to ask questions, and y'all kept asking the ones. I was like, okay, I was going to ask that one. <laughs> you could have, right? I mean, oh, no, it's yeah. all good. Okay. Well, the, que- the questions got asked. Sure. Next Wednesday, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let Tom. I'm, I'm well, gonna let you introduce. Joe. Well, well, now, but the other thing is, Joe is also so good that he will answer questions. So I'll have sure. questions in my head that I'm gonna ask, and then he'll answer them. So he's like really good about just kind of spreading his words out and answering stuff. So uh, very yeah, informative. Just, That's I why just, you need to check out RotoWire. They, they exactly check out RotoWire and all the work that those guys do over there. So yeah, I'm gonna sit back and listen to y'all and listen to Joe. Sure. It's enjoyable. So let's move on here. Like I said, just a few minutes left in the show. We were just talking about NFL. And again, if you missed any of that, check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Uh, but just a few minutes left here. Let's get you set for a couple more SEC college basketball games tonight. Uh, one just tipped off in Athens between Georgia and Mississippi State. Uh, the Bulldogs, uh, the, the Mississippi State variety Bulldogs, will uh, be headed to Auburn after this game with Georgia. There is number 20 Missouri at Texas A&M tonight, but the one we want to focus on for just a couple minutes. Number four Alabama goes to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on number 15 Arkansas. Of course, uh, Arkansas just had a trip that did not go well for them as they lost to Auburn in Neville Arena on Saturday. So now they go back home. A tough place to play. This is really going to prove – I mean, look, I know Alabama beating Kentucky proves something, but I think it maybe said more about Kentucky in hindsight about Alabama. But uh, if Alabama can go get this win in Fayetteville, uh, there's not many games on the schedule that are going to intimidate them at that point. Yeah, that, that's the thing. And uh, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth with that one. That, they beat Kentucky, but now we've seen what Kentucky is, looks like. And it's like, okay, well, that was not now on the surface, not a very good win. If you can go into Bud Walton and win, uh, you know that crowd's going to be insane. It's one of the toughest environments in the SEC. Auburn found that out last year uh, when Arkansas won their Super Bowl. And <laughs> <laughs> nice. Rushed the court and took the coach took his shirt off and all that kind of fun stuff. So, yeah, if uh, yeah, you know, if Alabama wins this one, I, I still think Alabama's for real because yeah, like, I think they're really good either way. Yeah, either way, yeah. but they're really, really, really for real, for real. If they can go into Bud Walton and win one, if they lose, mm, they're still good. Right, but just chalk it up to chalk it Arkansas up to, being a tough place yeah, to play and, and winning SC- another Super Bowl. And, <laughs> And the <laughs> good Jeez. one, Tom. Good one. Right. And the SEC is is tough, right? That, that top that top upper half F, uh, of the SEC is no joke. Going to be difficult. I mean, you know, Auburn Arena, Auburn uh, Neville Arena, excuse me, is a tough place to play. Bud Walton Arena, tough place to play. Coleman Coliseum, tough place to play. Now, uh, 
I guess. Well, what's funny about Coleman is they don't fill it all the way up. I wouldn't normally rank that place as one of the hot, toughest in the SEC. But you know what's really random, and I, maybe it's just because it's like an airplane hangar? Yeah. Is that no one shoots free throws well. No. Not, nobody. True. No, I, you true. can go why. I don't know why. Uh, that they, they just cannot shoot in that in that yeah. building. Uh, and again, they, their environment's not bad. I'm not calling it bad, right. but I'm just saying like the other aspects of an intense home crowd. I mean, they lose plenty of games on their home court most years, and they, they will upset somebody because that right. happens in college basketball. Right. But it does not stand out. It's a normal college basketball environment. But for whatever reason, I just feel like everyone's like 12 of 22 shooting yeah, free throws. Rough. The, the the environment at Coleman will get better the better Alabama keeps getting in sure. and the more success they have it's just like auburn i mean they auburn fans still ultimately care about football but when basketball is good and basketball is rolling they're gonna pack that arena out alabama has not quite gotten to that level yet they have really good crowds it's a good environment but their focus is still on football because right. the product that they have had at alabama typically has just not really been that good but right if you give them something that they're interested in They'll come out. Yeah, they're going right. to come out. Absolutely. Ten- yeah, uh, t- and Tennessee also a very tough environment. Um, I-, I wonder how I wonder how well Mizzou is going to end up as their season progresses because right. they are looking very good. And like Steve kind of named off a few categories where where uh, Mizzou was leading, and oh. that I mean. You know, I don't think anybody really expected that. You kind of saw last year uh, Auburn went to Mizzou and and barely got a win. Um, so that environment might be pretty tough now to play in. Um, and they're you know, it's going to be interesting to see just as the season progresses. Watching Mizzou, they are a team to keep an eye on um, because they they're racking up good wins. You know, obviously Kentucky is not as good as they were in the past, but still beating Kentucky is is a formidable win. Um, in the grand scope of of things uh especially if you're a program like mizzou so um yeah it's going to be something to watch and uh i i i hope uh arkansas can knock bama down a peg arkansas is favored by a point and a half and another thing i want to point out about bud walton arena as is usually the case with referees and i feel this is even I don't know where people would stand on it in college football, but I feel it is absolutely true in college basketball. The home team does get some home whistle. Oh, yeah. And and at Bud Walton Arena, I have heard numerous people from numerous fan bases uh, just absolutely be in, in great anger after oh, playing a yeah. game in Bud Walton we Arena. We were angry. Uh, Auburn, uh, Arkansas shot more like, 10 more free throws than Auburn did in Neville Arena. Arkansas is a physical team that likes to drive, and so you combine that with Bud Walton Arena – they're going to be shooting an exorbitant amount of free throws tonight unless Alabama plays really awesome defense. And, and look, Alabama has played some really awesome defense this year, so it would be will be interesting to see how much uh, Arkansas can get to the foul line tonight as well. That one coming up very soon here. And what's coming up right now is our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. I didn't tell you exactly when that game was because it's right here on our nightly TV guide. 6 o'clock on ESPN2 is where you can find that matchup in Fayetteville between number 4 Alabama and number 15 Arkansas. If you're looking for other college basketball tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. It's number 16 Miami hosting Boston College. 
6 o'clock on FS1. Some Big East basketball. Not a football conference anymore, but they still play quite good basketball. Xavier will host Creighton. Creighton was a team highly ranked early in the year in the top 10. Yeah, falling has off. Hit a, just fallen like a rock here the last off few cliff. weeks. 6.30, if you're look, looking for a sport that's not college basketball, the NHL is back on TNT. The Nashville Predators go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's, again, 6.30 on TNT. And a movie pick for you tonight, 6 o'clock on VH1. This does not feel like it's something VH1 would show, but Independence Day, yeah. the original <laughs> Independence Day. Great movie. The one that was very good. The second Independence Day, Resurgence, they called it, uh, was not a great resurgence for the franchise. I don't think I ever saw that. Well, Tom, let me tell you, if you want to find something that is clearly not as good as the original, that is one. Okay. <laughs> and that is our Sports Call Nightly TV Guide brought to you by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Again, that's the original Independence Day tonight, 6 o'clock on VH1. I don't like it when they mess with such good movies. It, it very rarely works out. Yeah. The, the Rocky series have been good, but, I mean, a lot of times sequels just aren't. Men in Black did a pretty Rocky, good job, but they then, they, then they stretched themselves out too Rocky far. Did, Rocky did a good job pivoting to um, Creed. Yeah. They did a good job with that. Um, continuing it, but also a new storyline. Maybe I just set my expectations lower, and I know the sequel's not going to be as good. Because I'm usually not that upset about sequels. I was really upset with this last Halloween movie. Not that you guys would care, but I just I, I was going to go see lambasted it. it. Well, so it I, happens. I, sequels are not. I was going to go good. see it, and you said it's not worth seeing, so I didn't go see it. Yeah, I trust you. I mean, go to the box office, support your local movie theater, but at the same time, that was not good. Uh, that'll do it for the show today. Cam, appreciate it. Yes, sir. Tom, appreciate being here. Absolutely. See you next week. And we uh, we thank Joe Barnell for joining the show today and for all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.